This is the Weird is the New Black Show. Since I left you, while I don't beat the step two, the step two. Uh, 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 uh. Damn, it's been a minute. It's been a long time. I know you haven't heard my voice in a while, but I figured it was time for an emergence. The return of the Mac. What's good, y'all? This is episode 50 of the Weirdest New Black Show. And I'm coming to you live from the lair, a.k.a. my apartment and my desk chair. It's 2019, and I hope everything is going well for all of you who are tuned in to this program. So, it's crazy to think about that it's been like, it's my 50th episode. And I can remember... In October 2017, sitting down in this very spot with my homie Kaheem Thomas, a visual artist, for my very first episode. Back then, the show was known as the 1984 Fly Die Show, but due to a few personal revelations and changes in my life, I decided somewhere in like in the mid 20s of the show to name it. Weird is new black because weirdness is something that I definitely identify with. And over the past 49 shows or 50 shows, if you count this one, I examined all kinds of thought, interviewed all kinds of people. I've had sex workers, freak show, I've had sex educators. Dr. Timory Lee. I've had other people who exist in the realm of sexuality, like Naturally Kinky, that gave you all something to listen to, something to learn from. I've interviewed, again, visual artists, producers, MCs, DJs, yoga instructors. I even had my homie stop by, shout out to Phil, Phil Lay, who is a Kung Fu teacher, a sensei, as they, as they call him. But I had him. Had him all on the show. Different people. Because I wanted to explore and learn more about the human condition, their thoughts, their stories, what made them tick. And in turn, you all learned a few things about me. But the learning hasn't stopped. Instead, there's a lot more ground to cover. In the year of 2019 and beyond, I'm going to do my best to cover all the topics, no matter how crazy, no matter how weird that they may seem, they will be on the show. I want to shout out Positive.Tay, who came in as a guest host during the latter run of my show. She was excellent. Because I felt like whenever I was interviewing women about sexuality or anything that dealt with feminine energy, I felt like I was kind of ill-equipped just to go at it alone. 
you know, as, as, as a guy, you know, a heterosexual male, you know, it's only a, a, a certain amount of, like, a pushing that I can do, you know, and I felt like having Tay there, her energy, what she was about, made it fantastic, you know, it was a, it was a great combination. And also, I'll shout out to the to, uh, the Black Dragon Breakfast Club and to my homie Black Lavender. Um, both guests describe, you know, legalizing marijuana. And if you know me, you know, I'm all for legalizing the green, the ganja, the marijuana. And with all that, because I feel like in this era that we're living in, I'm a strong believer of having a love revolution. Let's do things for the love. Let's spread the love. We had a lot of division, a lot of separation. We got to unify. And via unification, we can definitely feel the power of the people. That's the vibe, you know? Before I start recording, I was in my apartment. I got my selenite lamp on my desk just glowing. I had Nights Over Egypt by the Jones Girls playing on my speaker. I got my black cat running around my apartment. If you hear a meow or whatever, just know he's making his presence known. You know what I mean? But dig, there's so much that I wanted to talk about. And I'll probably cover it in different shows coming up. Just so I can link up with other experiences and create a greater dialogue. One thing I will talk about off the cuff because it's been everywhere. is a funky ass R. Kelly and that uh, heartbreaking six part surviving R. Kelly series that came on Lifetime. You know, I heard the stories. You know, I know about the Aaliyah situation, when it happened. Cause remember the tabloids were talking about how he married Aaliyah, you know, saying she was 18, but she was 15 years old. I heard about that. But back then, it just, you know, went under the rug. And he was able to have a career and keep going and keep going and keep going. And then in 2002, I remember when that sex tape came out. And we all saw it. And it's crazy that... We didn't really register or realize that it was like child pornography. It was just like this thing that just hit the streets. It went platinum on the hood. Every bootleg dude I knew on 52nd Street was like, yo, I got that Kelly tape. But it was, you know, we didn't think anything of it. But we knew it was wild. Like we heard that the girl was underage. We was like, yo, it's son's tripping. But months later, he dropped Chocolate Factory. And I guess the world forgot. I didn't forget. I couldn't forget. Because I remember uh, around the time that the sex tape came out, he had just dropped a collaborative project with Jay-Z. Um, what was it called? Um, Best of Both Worlds. And once that shit hit the fan, they had to cut the, you know, the promo for the album and all that. They had to handle his business. Next thing you know, months later, Talking Factory dropped with the uh, Ignition, Ignition Remix. So Rob Kelly, Robert Kelly, R. Kelly, whatever, is a musical genius. I give him that. But at the same time, he is a very, very, very troubled individual. The tortured soul. And in turn, he has been an abuser. And he's made life horrible for young women who happen to cross his path. You know, you know, you hear about Aaliyah and you know about the young girl on the tape. Then you hear about what's happening in the news recently, the sex cult. But then you actually actually watch the documentary and you start seeing these women who stepped up 
and told their stories. Things I never knew had ever happened. Like one of one of the women was actually in his I Wish video braiding his hair. You know, like I'm and it's mind boggling to me. So now, like I feel like my morals are in like I gotta be put in check when it comes to his music. Cause mind you, like, dude, like listen, albums like Twelve Play. R. Kelly album came out afterwards. The R album and all these joints he had put out, like even I believe I can fly. Like we sang that shit in middle school for our school concert. I seen Space Jam, fam. I seen Space Jam in the theaters. B, you know what I'm saying? I had a fight in school earlier that day, you know. But that didn't fuck up my high to go see Space Jam at 12 years old. And I believe I can fly with with the song that I heard. You know, and it's like people talk about separating the artists from the music, but it's like I can't, I can't even do that shit, man. It's hard. It's hard. And if there is an R. Kelly song that I, you know that I would bump, which was like, um, did you ever think, or a song you had with Biggie, like called like you know, you to be happy. I can't listen to them songs in good conscience. I can't listen to them songs publicly. I gotta sit in the corner of my bedroom with headphones on. And play them songs. Even though I know I'm alone, ain't nobody around me, I still I still will feel that damn guilty. Like I sit in the corner in my room with headphones on, just listen to those damn R. Kelly songs. I can't even do it. And even like I can't I can't even listen to Leah's first album. Which was called Age and Nothing But a Number. What kind of filthy shit is that? This is a question I have, right? For our parents. No dis no disrespect, but it's the questions that I have. She was fourteen going to fifteen, making that album. I think she was yeah, 14 years old making that album. When she recorded that song, Aging Nothing But A Number, Throwing Down Ain't Nothing But A Thing. How how crazy does that sound? Because we all know now, via the documentary, that song is about a young woman trying to get an older man. Hook up with an older man. Because Throwing Down Ain't Nothing But A Thing. Yo. What? What? Me coming from my standpoint as a 34 year old dude, as a producer, cuz or somebody listening to the album, I'm like, nah, yo, I don't feel comfortable with her singing that shit at 14 years old, talking about throwing down nothing but a thing. Shorty, you're 14 years old. What the fuck do you know about throwing down? You know? And if, if R. Kelly wrote that shit for her to sing that shit, I'd be like, yo, dog, nah, B, that's inappropriate. That's foul. Don't even do that shit. But, but here's a bigger thing that I noticed from a documentary. You know, like this uh, cycle of like, yeah, R. Kelly was definitely a musical genius, but talk about him being molested. And how he had an older brother in jail who was tripping, tripping, talking about like, oh yeah, he likes younger girls, that's a preference. No, nigga, that's a sickness. And I apologize, because I don't like using the N-word. I try to stop using it in 2019, but niggas be tripping out here. So here's my excuse. I'm letting it rip. But anyway, the only brother who made any kind of sense was the young brother, Carrie Kelly. Because I remember back when I was younger that they were trying to say that R wanted Carrie to take the fall for it, for the tape. And the documentary said pretty much it was the lawyers who wanted him to do that. But still as funky, as, as nasty, and as foul. And look at all this shit happening. And there are people who stood around and enabled it, who watched him with younger girls. Who can tell you stories about him and younger girls. Everybody was complacent. Everybody. It's like, yo, knowing what I know now, if I know you out here kicking him with young girls, I'm like, well, cuz, I can't fuck with you. I can't fuck with you at all. And I will do everything in my power 
to keep you from doing that foul shit. Because I can't stand by or I can't just stand back and watch you just abuse your power and take advantage of a young woman like that. Nah, a young girl like that. Shorty's still in high school, cuz. Fuck is you doing? There were stories about him like hanging out, out around his high school. Again, my friend, I ask you, the fuck is you doing? It's like, it's... But we really got to understand that as people, as a community, we have to understand that we are accountable for a part of what happened. We attended the concerts. Though I didn't attend concerts, or I, though I wasn't buying the albums, I still say we because as a community, we still supported them. Bump songs on radio, going to concerts, bought albums, bought singles, watched the videos. We did it all. And even until now, like, the game is so crazy that even after you've seen evidence on a six-part series, deal, on a six-part series, I'm still seeing dickheads online. I'm from Philly, and we say dickheads, so I see dickheads online who are defending his actions even still. Like, blaming the victims. Like, she shouldn't have been doing that. Shoot, them teen girls too fast. First of all, how dare you? How dare you? And then some of these women, from what I'm hearing... Allegedly, he gave him like STIs. One woman, woman has like herpes. Another woman, though she didn't get STI, she got like mononucleosis, which was weird. It may have been STI too. I don't know. I gotta research that. But like, he was giving out giving people like these strange diseases allegedly. You know, I gotta say allegedly because we're in the street. Is y'all here trying to sue everybody? And I ain't trying to get sued right now. You know, I ain't got that kind of bank to get sued in these streets. You feel me? But you have these instances of these victims going through hell. Now you can't fault them. You can't fault these young ladies. You fought R. Kelly. You fought his enablers. But you know who I do have a problem with? The parents. Are you just, you just going to offer your daughter over to R. Kelly? Like once of the parents said, they were like, yo, we knew about the sex tape case. But he was acquitted, so we thought it was cool. What are you? What? You thought it was cool? Really? You thought it was cool? Your kids. That's your daughter. First of all, even if I hear like you were, your name was even anywhere near like sex tapes, like a, a child's sex tape, like I, I can't fuck with you. No. But then how? also, how could you like ignore all the history like besides the sex tape and the Aaliyah stuff like you've heard the rumors going through the you know going through the industry but you're going to talk about oh he was a he was acquitted so you know we let it slide nah then you wind up losing your daughter and she became like one of his like concubines or whatever the fuck you want to call it like this and his little like weird R. Kelly situation you know, in a documentary, like the last two episodes, the first four were more like doc- documentary style, and the, f- the last two episodes more like uh, what's going on now. We have these parents who are trying to get their get their daughter back. You have these different women chasing down their daughters. You know, one mother was successful, but there's other daughters who are still with him, and you know, and these parents are fighting the good fight, trying to get their daughter back. But it's just insane. I mean, I just, I just, I don't know. I just. It just bothers me on a whole different level, man. You know, and I have empathy for everybody, especially for the victims, for those young ladies. It's like, I can't imagine the type of shit they had to go through. 
especially women uh, from from the past, you know, like the ones like the 90s, his ex-wife or other young girls he dated, they're all crazy, man. And this might sound nutty too, but hear me out. I have a shred, I got more than a shred, I'm gonna keep it real, of empathy for R. Kelly as well. Like, I don't feel bad for him because the guy out here was doing some crowd, grimy shit. But it's like you hear about him being molested as a child, him and his brother. And like you... And people don't understand, like, yo, the type of shit, the type of trauma that you can deal with as a youth, as, as a kid, and where it can take you, with, with, you know, what what you might do. Like, I feel for him as a, as a tortured soul, but he need to get his shit together, yo. He needs counseling, sit his ass in jail, or some shit. Like, he has to deal with the consequences of his actions. You know, I'm, I'll never be an R. Kelly defender. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying that, yo, I can't, I'm a firm believer that hurt people hurt people. And to see, like, and to hear that, like, yo, he was molested when he was a kid. And I heard him say, he sang it on that damn, and I had a abysmal 19-minute track he did called I Admit It, which was like a bunch of shit he was just singing. And I'm like, all right, motherfucker, like, we know you, like, you wildin' out here. Ain't no song can make change our minds about you, B. Like, you ass out. And the chickens came home to roost. So there, there it is, surviving R. Kelly. Now, I actually want to see how R. Kelly's going to survive after this shit. But he might still because I remember I watched his albums climb the iTunes charts. And, like, I heard, like, his streams jumped 16% on Spotify. So, again, his sickness, his actions, not only are they supported, but I guess they're encouraged. So congratulations, fucking assholes. But anyway, you know, let me get off the R. Kelly shit, but I have to talk about it because, look, man, I, I sat there and I watched all six episodes, and it's everywhere on social media, yo. I can't help it but, but to talk about it, you know? What, what you want me to do? Side note, I mean this respectfully, Jamila Lemieux, I think her name is. I dig her. She's cool, man. She's cool. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, whatever. Anyway. She's fine. But yeah, I was, uh, I saw, so also, let me get back to like before break. So after episode 49, I took some time off, you know, had to enjoy the holidays, decompress because work was kicking my ass. And I spent time with my family. I spent time with my friends, man. Like my homie Ron came in from LA, rock with him. My homie Brad and his wife Kiana came in from Hawaii and it was great rocking with them. And I salute Brad, because Brad was one of the few cats, besides my homie Chris Charles, big bro. Brad was one of the few cats who actually held me down, was honest with me all the way through. Like, I, it was a, some people I was, I was around, who I thought I was cool with back then, but they was all fronters, man. And they just, they just wanted to laugh at me and see me, like, see me fall. Some, some real hating that shit, but that's what they did, you know? But again, like, all that shit kind of made me everything that I am. You know, which is actually one of my favorite Kanye songs from his, from the graduation album. You know, pre-Trump, lost his mind, Kardashian, Kanye. You know what I mean? Also, I mean, I can't blame the Kardashians for that nigga losing his mind, but, like, but you know what I'm talking about. So I rock with them and, uh, you know, rock with my cousin, hung out with them, and, uh, you know, New Year's came, dinner with my family, came home. I ain't do shit that night. I just laid back, watched some Star Trek Next Generation with my cat in my lap. I'm like, yup, I'm old and I'm wise, but you don't know what. I'm in the crib, not spending no money. So I keep it real like that. So I, didn't, I, was, I was just happy to see the new year, 2019. So the ill shit is like, um, speaking of Star Trek, there was an episode that I just watched tonight before I put the record button. And the episode was called Tapestry. On that episode, Captain John Luke Picard, played by my player, 
player, player, uh, Patrick Stewart, he, in this episode, he gets gravely injured. And, you know, while, while he's being worked on, he's having, like, these flashbacks. He's dealing with this, like, a celestial being named Q. Q is, like, always, like, a big trickster, always fucks with him. So he takes John luc Picard back into the past so, so he can see if he can make different decisions in his life, you know, would make him happier in the present. So John luc Picard went, went back, you know, he switched around some things that happened in the past because he wound up, like, because I guess an actual timeline of John luc Picard's life, like, he has, like, a, a robotic heart because he got into a fight with, with, with these, you know, space alien motherfuckers and one of them stabbed him, stabbed him in the back so he had to get a new heart and you know life led him to, to becoming the captain of the of the enterprise but in the storyline he avoided getting stabbed in the back while i'm losing his friends and he, he winds up being like on the enterprise you know in the present but as a lesser officer all because he didn't make the the, uh, the choices to stand out or stand up for himself. So at the end of the day, he's like, "Fuck it, man! I'm, I want my regular life back." So he came back. At the end of the episode, he spoke to Commander Riker, like his like his first officer. He was telling him, "He said, look, man, when I was younger, I had less than favorable youth, I should say. You know, what I mean, his, his teenage years, you know, his rambunctious twenties. You know, he was." was just crazy but he said that the more that he tried to pull away to pull those threads out the way he was undoing the tapestry of who he is today so i often have those moments where i look back i'm like yo man if i come back in college i would do shit this way i would do shit this way do shit that way right but if i had done all those things if i had that power to change things in the, you know in the past who's to say that i would be happy with myself where that I am now, like the friends that I have now, the places that I've been, the the experiences that I've had, the shows that I've watched, you know, the sex that I've had, the sex that I've had, the sex that I've had, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, all those things could have went down the toilet if I like decided to go back and just like change things around. You know, like, everything that I went through, good or bad, has made me into the person that I am today. I am your black weirdo. I am I am your rock star. I am I am everything today, you know? All my scars that I got, man. Everything. All these tattoos that I got. I got like thirty two tattoos on my body right now. And each and every single one of them tells a story. You know, it's like these journeys make they make you who you and what you are. You know, that's why I like I love again, I always talk about them. That's why I always like I love reading Dennis Rodman's stories. His interviews. You know, I got my hands, like, if you shout out to eBay, I got my hands on, like, old Sports Illustrated magazines. And people are writing about him as if he's some kind of a mystical or rather a mythical figure. He was just a man living his life the way he wanted to live his life, but people were just so astounded and astonished by his actions, his aura. But he was who he was. And I love that. And over the few years, I started doing that for myself. Like, if, um, in 2017, I dyed my hair completely blonde. People called me uh, the Golden Lords from Media Man. They called me um, Wesley Snipes from Demolition Man. All the jokes was cool, but I was me. I was me. And there was one bubblehead girl I messed with earlier in the year, and she had said to me that, um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't have dated you if you had blonde hair. I'm like, if I had blonde hair, who says I would have wanted to date you? You know what I'm saying? But that's the that's that's the mentality you got to deal with. You got to be able to stand in your own truth. Like a few Saturdays ago, I got my nose pierced on a whim because I went into the spot, you know, my usual tattoo spot, just to ask about nose piercings. Fucked around and dude was like, "Hey man, you can get it right now if you want to." And I said, "You know what? Fuck it." I'm a dit. I'm dit. Do it, man. I sat in that chair. Bop. Within three seconds, I had nose piercing. And I was like, oh, shit. That's it? That's it? Cool. And on, like, in a week and a half from now. No, actually, nah. Next Friday, actually. Next Friday, I'm getting um another set of piercings. Nipple piercings. And people are like, what the fuck? Right. Why am I doing it? Because I want to. Ain't nobody telling me. that you should get nipple piercings. Go ahead and get some. You know you want to get some? I'm like, nah. Because everybody was making jokes. And it was like, yo, I can see your nipple piercings. You know, it's just your vibe. It's just your aura. You got your nose. If I can get, the, get those done too. And I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. Fuck that. I ain't doing that. Fuck that. But I said, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to do it just because I can. Ain't no rhyme or reason or purpose for him. I'm doing it just to do it. You know, I, I, I have a very impulsive nature, but I ride with it. Anything I've done, anything I do, I ride with it. I stand on it. If I ever make a mistake or, you know, do anything to offend anyone, I'm accountable for my actions and I make sure that I rectify the situation. But I, I, there's nothing about me that I don't love. There's nothing about me that I wouldn't stand for. Or stand on. I've been me since day one. There's a reason why I call myself King Mike Beyond. There's a reason why I have the have the words the God or on my clap my chest area, clavicle area, whatever. It's not to be blasphemous. It's actually the God is actually like a reflective on like the five percent of mentality where like, you know, we are we are all gods. Everything that exists out here exists within us. We are creators. So I'm a firm believer that I can I create my destiny. I create all that I see. These opportunities that I have are things I create for myself. That my pen, my writing, got me in the door with water rice. And from there, I took it to podcasting. So you also hear this show on Water Rights Radio because I believe enough in myself to push myself out there. And, I, you know, I made it happen, man. One man army. But I, I like the fact that I'm here doing this. So when you talk about 2019, people say new year, new me. Nah, cuz. It's a new year indeed. True. I mean, time is a construct, but that's later, later conversation. But for this conversation, it's a new year. New me? Nah. Same person. But I just want to make smarter choices. Better decisions. Live a happier life. Travel more. Be more financially stable. You know, step out of my comfort zone. Matter of fact, I don't want a comfort zone. Fuck a comfort zone. See me out here, you know, shining, 
profiling, wilding, you know, just living my best life. And I hope that my actions, the way that I live and how I choose to live inspires others to love love themselves and to live their lives as well. Take a chance. When I moved to New Orleans, I took a chance on love. And it didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to, but I took a chance. I was on it for four and a half months in a different city by myself. I had my ex with me, yeah, but I was by myself. She was there, you know, for law school. She had a set of friends. I'm down there, Dolo. I had my homie Ian riding around with me down in, in Enola. But I had a college degree. I couldn't seem to kind of find a job down there at all. I applied to work at banks. I had bank experience. Couldn't get that. I wound up being a server in a hole-in-the-wall restaurant, a classy hole-in-the-wall restaurant with a bigot for a boss. But I made my, I made my way because I refused to, like, just be sitting down there and doing nothing, man. You know, so I'm I'll make my way. And in 2019, like I have that spirit. I want it all. I want everything that is meant for me. If I can touch it and I can have it, then I want it. I want to have that experience. I want to be like a supernova that you see in the sky. I want to be that. So I'm saying I want to be a rock star. I'm not talking about like you know Mick Jagger or uh, Keith Richards. I'm talking about that or Jimi Hendrix. Though I love Jimi Hendrix and Lenny Kravitz. I'm talking about when I see a rock star, I'm talking about being like a celestial being, man. Like, boom. You see me? The kid is shining. I'm out here. You know? I'm out here, man. Just like, just, just being being the best me that I could possibly be. That's what I mean, you know? But yeah, man, it's, it's all about that. It's all about that. And yeah, just, just stay tuned. I got some more shit coming. Good things coming. Dope guests coming. We're going to discuss everything. So, yeah. Back in the mix. For sure. Before I get out of here, I want to sing a few favorite few lines. I'm going to sing you a few lines for one of my favorite songs. From Soul to Soul. It goes something like this. Back to life. Back to reality. Back to the here and now. Yeah. Right? Right, yeah, I was hitting them notes. I was hitting them notes, but you know what I'm talking about. Back to life, back to reality, back to the here and now. I'm here now. I'm present, ever present, in the moment, as you should. All right, y'all. Catch you around for the next episode of the Weirdest New Black Show. Stay tuned. All right? Peace. And shout out to my cat over there on the couch, who's been silent Doing my entire recording. He's probably asleep right now, too. Hey, laugh. You, you awake?